Hey guys, this is the Pandola Project with your Monday motivation. I'm Matt Pandola. Yeah, you are. Hello, Matt Pandola. I'm Jake Parker. This is episode 32 of the Pandola Project, your process to success. We're talking about listening, understanding, and verifying. Love, Matt. We're talking about love. Yeah, I love you, man. Yeah, I love you too, man. And speaking of which, I have to ask about your marathon, man. A couple episodes ago, we talked about it when you were still up in the air about it, and the listeners are waiting to hear, man. How did that go? What ended up happening? Yeah, so I ended up breaking two hours. Way to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Because of your new shoes, right? I did it barefoot, actually. Oh, wow. Yep. And um, That was, was you on the magazine cover. It was, yeah. It was, it was really, really weird, though, because then I realized that I was naked. Okay, so you were dreaming. It was a dream. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Your know own that, dream. It wasn't my dream. This is Matt's dream. I just, I, I humored myself. I don't know if anybody's laughing out there, but no, I didn't get to run it because um, the pass was unpassable, Jake. Yeah, we're talking about the Sierra Nevada mountains, and when there's a lot of weather over those, you really don't want to risk it if no. it's even open. I, was it closed, literally? Like, could you have gone? I don't know, actually. Yeah. I didn't even attempt it. I looked at the weather patterns. I knew it was unlikely I was going to be able to go. The people that, well, you've heard Matt Balzer talking on these episodes before, and he obviously was the guy I was going to run with. Right. And he did go. But uh, the guys I knew that were going left on Friday. So a day before. Well, two days before really for me, because I was actually just like North Face. I just went up literally hours before the race. Mm-hmm. And I just, I get up early, have to get up early anyways. Mm-hmm. CIM shouldn't have been that far away of a drive. So I was just going to do it that way, leave really early Sunday morning. Then I thought, okay, I'll try to go Saturday. And then I had one of my clients that was doing it. Uh, he had a hotel, so I was going to um, stay with him, but you know, he generously offered to share. But I didn't have a good feeling about it. I knew that it was unlikely I was going to get over that pass. I used to have a job when I was up in Truckee and my last assignment in fire where I worked for Engine 52 and we would go on assignments, not just on fire, but sometimes to help out with conditions under really bad road conditions. Sometimes we would help clean up the mess of accidents, things like that or respond like I was an EMT, Mm -hmm. paramedic. So those kind of things. And man, I've seen some bad accidents up there. One one time this 18 wheeler had lost control, slid across the highway and then knocked cars right off the highway. You know, like a bad pinball scenario. Yeah. And this one lady, she had been pushed right off the road and her car had been launched into some trees And then she had been launched from her car and she shattered her hip and we were, we pulled her out and she actually, you know, besides, I mean, a shattered hip is not fun, but she lived. Whoa. Those kind of scenarios you just never forget. And that's what reminds me, it doesn't matter sometimes even how you're driving or what kind of a vehicle you have or chains or, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just not worth it to me to take that kind of a chance. So I, yeah, I don't even know if, if I could have actually been able to get over the pass or not. And then just leaving earlier, my entire weekend was not planned out that way. I did have athletes that I needed to coach on Friday and Saturday. And then also just, yeah, my daughter, we have daddy daughter date night on Friday night. That's important. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, again, 
it's important to me that my daughter knows that she's more important than any race I'm going to do. I will say that if this was North Face, mm-hmm. which was to me more important, then you know maybe I would have made other plans. But uh, planned for it though, and I, I completely get it because when there's weather like that on the roads, man, I do not mess with it. I take that so seriously because a few years ago I slid off the freeway. Luckily, it was in a relatively safe place to do it. But you know, hit some black ice, nothing I could do, lost control, and all I could do was like barely guide it to you know not hit the cement barrier and so i ended up going off of i-80 over here in in reno and down a little grass ramp through a chain link fence up onto some train tracks got out of the car pat down my legs and i'm like wow uh, i'm okay yeah you made it i made it um but after that i'm like okay that is how serious that can be and so those mountain passes especially when it's dark and it's icy hate it man and it happens so quick too yeah Right. One moment you're just listening to the radio yep. and and maybe flipping channels, trying to find something that comes in a little better. And the next thing you know, you're sliding out of control. Terrifying. And there's nothing you can do about it. So yeah. especially you, you know, you've got family, you've got obligations, man. Um, my yeah, friends you're know expendable. it. I know. I know. I could do it if I wanted to. I still don't want to. I'm not going to. My family knows it. My friends know it. If there's bad weather, I'm not coming. Right. I don't care if I'm driving or if I'm not driving. I'm not going. I also was dealing with a little bit of, well, exhaustion. We talked about my sleeping patterns and how I was able to recover after North Face wasn't great. And so I talked about maybe not doing the marathon. I had been able to recover enough, I feel, where I was willing to give it a shot and I did get in a good recovery period leading up to the race. I knew I wasn't going to be in the shape I could have been, or in the readiness, I should say, that I could have been maybe a couple weeks sooner, but I felt like, yeah, I'm still going to be able to break three, which was the original goal. But I have to admit, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a thousand percent into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I think things worked out as they should. And so I'm not that sad about it. Well, yeah. listen, man, I, I'm proud of you for making what seems like the right decision. And that ties into what we're here to talk about today. We're talking about listening, understanding, and verifying, especially in the context of being a coach or being an athlete. You know, who are you listening to and who's listening to you? I was over at Nevada Physical Therapy earlier today, and actually one of the PT assistants over there, she was putting on a lecture for ACL rehabilitation. Hey, that's interesting. Yeah. And these athletes, they need to be ready when they return to their team. They need to also feel confident. Sure. Now, of course, this should be ramped up. They shouldn't just be thrown onto the court at 100%. Because they're going to get hurt again? In some of these cases, it drives me nuts because there is no ramping. But we need to at least give them a fighting chance. And uh, she put together a great program, great progressions, really thoughtful blocks, had the contacts, the amount of contact jumps in each phase, et cetera, et cetera. I thought this was really well done. But the thing that I talked a little bit more about with her and the other coaches there and PT assistants and and John Hodges is just in the real world, what I've experienced with my athletes. And that is the listen, understand, and verify part. So 
some athletes will respond in some of these movements differently than others. But for example, if they are worried about hurting themselves again, they'll tend to, for example, land a little bit stiff and they feel more secure that way, but it's actually more detrimental possibly. Worse, yeah. Right. Yeah. And they could have, you know, another torn ACL trying to protect themselves. Okay. And so what we want them to do, first of all, is not overthink it, but we do want them to be aware. Right. So that can be a tough balance. And at the same time, we need to teach them, for example, that if they soften that approach when they land, that is going to use their glutes more and they're going to take more pressure off of that surgery or that site. Which is something that obviously they need to understand, but they are not going to understand it the way that the PT does. Right. Or even the way that they need to understand for their own learning process, right? right? Like that's a completely different story. And that's where I was saying, hey, you have to understand the type of athlete that you're training at that point too. And it's not always just, well, follow this block or this next progression, but how are they feeling about it? How are they responding? Are they stiff because they're nervous because they don't feel confident in the progression or because they don't really understand the cues, you know, et cetera. So I was saying to the PT assistant that when I had an athlete that was landing stiff like that, I just uh, told him, hey, man, you need to be silent but deadly. <laughs> right? How old was this guy? <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he, he was 16. All right, know? so he got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He thought it was funny. And that also got him to relax a little bit. Yeah. And so, you know, and everybody in the room when I said it today, they were laughing. And, say, and that was, you know, kind of my point, right, is that th- these athletes are really stressed. Sometimes they're really worried that they're not going to come back to their sport. They probably feel behind. They're, well, yeah, that's such a good point. Like, he definitely felt like he's behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was behind at the time. Absolutely. So these are all anxiety stressors that these athletes are dealing with. And so, you know, if you can try to speak to them on their level of readiness, you can start to understand and verify more where they're trying to get to versus where they are now. And then, yeah, again, because you're talking to a high school kid versus maybe somebody, maybe a professional skier that is in his 20s or, mm-hmm. you know, an elderly person that's lived their life, you're going to talk differently to each person and they're probably going to respond to different cues. Yeah, and in high school, fart jokes are really funny, so they probably loved it. Well, ironically, maybe the the person who's uh, more advanced in their age and the person who's younger, and they, they both you know probably respond to the fart jokes. Because, probably actually, yeah. I think that's a really good tenet just in life in general. Matt is learning how to talk to the people that you're surrounded by, and do you notice how when you're talking to someone, it doesn't seem like they're always listening? It's like they're just waiting for their turn to talk. All the time. All the time, man. And you feel like it's in one ear and out the other. But when someone does actually like pause for a moment after you finish talking before they start to talk again, you can tell that they're listening and that really makes a difference. Yeah. And I, what you just said, I have to admit. You weren't listening. I, I, I was just waiting to talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew it. I saw that look on your face. He's not even listening to me right uh, now. Oh, yeah. No, but I do find myself sometimes doing that, though. Me too. Where I just, especially when I have an athlete that's talking to me and I 
think I know what to tell them and I just want them to stop talking so I can get to the point so mm-hmm. we can move on. Mm-hmm. And I, I really have to remind myself, man, you, you got to keep listening because there might be something coming out here that's actually the real thing. Yeah. Like their experience might be different. It might've started with something like common ground that you can relate to, but it may have ended in a totally different place. And if you're just fixated on your experience with it, you're not going to get the point. And that doesn't serve either of you, you nor the person you're talking to. And you never know when it's that time or that communication, it's that moment where you're really creating a special bond between you and that other person because they're trusting you with something pretty important. So it is important that you're really listening and understanding what they're saying and, of course, verifying Absolutely, man. And I've got a quick story. I kind of feel bad about it now, but it happened years ago and it's related to this directly. I was training a group of volleyball players and one of the girls asked me, is macaroni and cheese bad? That's verbatim her question. And in hindsight, like I said, I do feel a little bad about this, but in hindsight, I remember thinking like, what the, what a dumb question. Are you kidding? Of course it is. Then, like a couple days later, I answered their question, whatever, everybody goes home. A couple days later, she comes back and she explained to me that her home life was really ill-informed, basically. Her parents were telling her things. They were trying to make her, you know, follow a certain diet. And so, in comparison to other things that are even worse, macaroni and cheese to them was great, right? And so, from her experience... She had been told for years, mac and cheese is good for you. And so when she asked me that, and my automatic thought was, that is the dumbest question I've ever heard. Now I can go back and say, well, from her experience, she literally had no idea. And I should not have prejudged that situation. I should have tried to be more empathetic with this kid, this athlete, rather than just thinking that she was, you know, asking a stupid question. Yeah, I I love the example you gave. And some people listening might think, first of all, well, Jake, macaroni and cheese isn't that bad. I don't know how dumb that really is because, first of all, what kind of macaroni and cheese is it? There you go. Yeah, there you go. And But let's just say it's the... It's the bad kind, right? right? And then really, is that that bad, right? Compared to what? Compared to what? Yes. Yeah. And of course, I feel that through listening, understanding, verifying, and through working in that process as a coach and as a teacher, and now as a parent, I'm starting to be a little bit more empathetic. I'm not as judgmental. I used to be a lot more judgmental and just thinking, if you're not eating super healthy and you're not doing everything you can, you probably don't deserve this optimal health and you you don't do the work and you don't, you know, those kind of things. And that's not how I think honestly anymore. I think that, hey, my daughter has macaroni and cheese and I'm, you know, I, I encourage her to enjoy her macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. And of course, because of that, it's more in moderation, but I'm not going to understand where somebody's coming from when they say how much macaroni and cheese can be a comfort food Mm -hmm. if I'm not really listening. And in this case, I might be verifying that an athlete actually needs something like this for that comfort. So quick example, there's you said macaroni and cheese. Lexi, if you're listening, we were getting ready for 
Nike cross regionals. Okay. And I took one of my athletes in high school there. She was the state champion that year and she had a great year. She was really at much more optimal position in her running career and she was at great health. But the morning of her race, she wanted to go to McDonald's and she wanted to get one of those, um, you know, egg McMuffins. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, sure. It was a pre-race ritual for her. Now, (laughs) right? So is this something that I would tell my athletes that they should have as a pre-race? No, but this was something that she was used to having. So I knew that this was a comfort food for her, that she wanted to have her McMuffin to, it would help to settle her down. She would feel more ready and relaxed for her race. And sure enough, I found myself driving her to McDonald's before the race. (laughs) Now, did you know this beforehand or did she kind of spring that on you? I think she was kind of nervous to tell me, right? And I haven't always gotten it right, Mm -hmm. but but at least at this point in my career, I did a better job listening, nice. understanding, verifying. So that is something that I am proud that I did do and I didn't judge it. And she had a great race. Good. You know, and then, you know, afterwards we just talked a little bit about, you know, are these things that she really needs to to do in order to feel ready or feel comfortable? I think eventually she got herself out of that particular ritual. Not that it's that horrible. I mean, well, right. But, but right before the race is not the time to change that. Right. Exactly. If, if If that's really that important to her, then, you know, work on that when it's not showtime. Exactly. So I think a good way to end this today is asking the listeners, where can you listen, understand, and verify better? And and with whom? I know we can get some great stories out of this. I hope that you challenge yourself to really love somebody today. And I know that sounds corny, but let's hear about it because it will feel amazing when you realize the difference it makes when you really do listen, understand, and verify. Not only are you helping somebody, but it also helps you. And in turn, that person probably starts loving you more too. Yep. And you never know the impact that that can have on someone and on yourself. So let us know how it goes as well. We can be reached by email, pendolaproject at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. I love it. And remember, every day, not just today, is your chance to listen, understand, and verify. Love you. Get it? <laughs>